Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Season 5, Episode 10 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again today as we continue with our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials found in January the 9th to January the 15th in Matthew 2 and Luke 2. And today we're going to jump over to Matthew chapter 2 uh, where we find the account of the wise men. Now, remember that Matthew's um, testament or his uh, book is focused on uh, the fulfilling of Jewish prophecies about the Saviour or about Jesus being the Saviour or the Messiah that was promised uh, over centuries. Uh, So he begins with uh, saying about how King Herod is in Jerusalem at that time. And there is wise men from the east that come to Jerusalem to ask, where is the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, in terms of how many wise men there are, uh, we're not 100% sure. Um, traditionally, uh, we believe that it is believed there is three. Um, but uh, Eric D. Huntsman says this, um, quote, Matthew uses the, the term magi for the special visitors who came from the chi- to the child Jesus bearing gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Nowhere, however, does he number them. But uh, because he speaks of wise men in the plural, there must have been two or more. Early artistic impressions or representations depict two, three, four, or even as many as 12. Um, the number three seems to have become established because of the number of gifts they brought. More interesting is how the Magi came to be viewed as kings. The possibility of their royalty might have been suggested by their wealth, since gifts they presented Jesus were worthy of a king, but early Christians seem to have made the connection with royalty as they reflected upon Old Testament passages, such as Psalm 69.29 and 72.10, which suggests that kings from among nations would come to Israel bearing gifts. Particularly significant were passages from the prophet Isaiah, connecting the coming of kings with the light of a rising star. Isaiah 60 verse 3 prophesies, And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. A few verses later, some of their gifts, and even the camels that were later assumed to be their conveyance, were mentioned. The multitude of camels shall cover thee, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, and all they from Sheba shall come, and they shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. Close quote. I found this fascinating um, that, you know, we just did a whole study of the Old Testament and I completely missed that. So that was Isaiah 60 verse 6 that just uh, talked about the gold and incense um, that um, were brought to this king. Uh, and this obviously is fulfilled right here in Matthew chapter 2, which I assume is why Matthew includes this account of the wise men coming from the east uh, to to see um, this this child. Um, so this um, continues, and Herod um, hears about this question, and it's trouble it it troubles him. But rather than confront the situation straight away, um, he asked his uh, chief priests and scribes where the Christ should be born, and they read in the scriptures he should be born in Bethlehem. Um, So in verse 7 it says, Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search ye diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. So this um, king is very deceptive and very, um, well, has very very bad intentions when it comes uh, to finding this child. But what is interesting is that he asked when the star first appeared so he is aware and i'm sure he lets his uh, his wife his 
chief priests and uh, others know when the star appeared. And that's going to become an important detail later when we come to try and uh, figure out how what the time frame of this experience was. So the wise men leave and go visit the child. Um, and they found him, um, found him there with the gifts. Um, and this is just a beautiful scene. Uh, obviously, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the Christ child video uh, that was sent out a few years ago by the church, but uh, I think it's one of the most beautiful depictions of the wise men that we have. They visit the child and they, 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 that Jesus is a toddler at this point, uh, which we'll talk about in a moment. And uh, they just, the, the humility and the joy that you see depicted is, is wonderful. Um, and in fact, in verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with its seed in great joy. Uh, so they came over, uh, and Elder Dieter Fuchdorf um, explains what we can learn from this, this experience or this, uh, this, these actions by the wise men. He says, quote, Christmas and some of the cherished traditions of the season remind us that we, like the wise men of old, should seek the Christ and lay before him the most precious of gifts, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. We should offer him our love. We should give him our willingness to take upon ourselves his name and walk in the path of discipleship. We should promise to remember him always, to emulate his example and to go about doing good. We cannot offer him the gift of perfection in all things because this is a gift beyond our capacity to, risk, to give, at least for now. The Lord does not expect that we commit to move mountains, but he does require that we bring as gifts our best efforts to move ourselves one foot in front of the other, walking in the ways he has prepared and taught. Close quote. I think that is beautiful, and I think that that is um, a good reminder about what we can learn from this experience with the wise men. Um and uh, I want to share something from President Thomas S. Monson as well, uh, similar kind of thoughts, but just kind of diff a different slant. He says, quote, May we give as the Saviour gave. To give of oneself is a holy gift. We give as a remembrance of all the Saviour has given. May we also give gifts that have eternal value, along with our gifts that eventually break or are forgotten. How much better the world would be if we all gave gifts of understanding and compassion, of service and friendship, of kindness and gentleness. As the Christmas season envelops us with, with all its glory, may we, as did the wise men, seek a bright particular star to guide us in our celebration of the Saviour's work. May we all make the journey to Bethlehem in spirit, taking with us a tender, caring heart as our gift to the Saviour. Close quote. So it is um, just a wonderful um, encouragement for us. I mean, obviously we are past the Christmas season, but even so, we can still give gifts to the Saviour at this time. Um, you know, the, the wise men appeared, to, not appeared, but visited and reached the Saviour after his birth. So it wasn't necessarily at Christmas that they actually came. Uh, so what can we give as a gift to the Saviour? How can we connect and more fully give ourselves as a gift to the Saviour? Whatever we do to come closer to him will be a gift to him. And speaking of gifts, in verse 11, they open the gifts um, and it is gold, frankincense and myrrh. And let's just talk briefly about these three gifts. Uh, John W. Welch said, quote, The gift of gold would have sparkled like the gold that was required in the temple. Frankincense, a resin gathered from trees in South Arabia, provided fragrance in the temple. Myrrh is another resin drawn from the life-sustaining sap of another desert tree. It was used to anoint and consecrate the high priest and it could not be used outside the temple. 
by giving Jesus these three essential holy and precious gifts, the wise men prepared Jesus, the last Adam, to offer the ultimate sacrifice as the new and everlasting high priest, provide, uh, bringing eternal light, life, and God's presence from above, heaven above to the earth below. Close quote. Just a, a really nice reminder here of how all these gifts pointed towards the temple. Uh, and again, in our lives, are we pointing our lives towards the temple in a way that it will provide this gift to the Saviour and that we can truly uh, come closer to him and that we can truly worship him? I think that these wise men are a great example uh, of this humility and, and diligence. I mean, whether they were kings or not, we don't know, but they were clearly of humble origin so that they could go and, and see this child. Speaking of, by the way, um, briefly, the age of the Saviour, you'll notice in verse 11 that it says when they come, when they were come into the house. So they've moved from the manger or the place where the manger was, whether it was a stable or a cave or a can, canvas, canvasary or whatever it was that the Saviour was in. They're now in a house, which suggests a passage of time. And we'll have a look as well briefly tomorrow about Herod's reaction and his uh, his decree to slay uh, up to the age of two, the young boys in, in Bethlehem, which suggests that the star that he was aware of appeared around two years um, or just under two years um, when he gives that command. So again, just gives us an idea and a window of what the Saviour's age might be there. But uh, we're going to stop there because we are reaching our limit, time limit uh, and we'll continue tomorrow. Please join us as we, as we delve deeper into the Christmas story and learn what we can about our lives, how it impacts us and a bit more about the context of the uh, the setting there. Thank you for very much for listening, and until we meet again. <laughs>